0: Welcome to part one of what will likely be a four-part Georgia-Florida special. Yes, we are very excited about this game, and we've got some exciting interviews lined up ahead of it. In part one, Super Bowl champion, two-time Walter Payton Man of the Year finalist, and Bart Starr Award winner, Benjamin Watson will be joining us to discuss his recent signing with the New England Patriots, his heart for serving others, and how UGA played a part in helping him to become the man that he is today. Then, Caleb Gwynn is joining the show for some UGA Kentucky awards, as well as the bye week pick six segment. We're talking all things Georgia. And speaking of that, imagine if there were a single place in Athens where you could get all things Georgia Bulldogs. The place you just imagined is the Red Zone. The Red Zone is a family owned and operated college bookstore, but without the books. This downtown Athens storefront offers officially licensed Nike gear, as well as champion sweatshirts and T-shirts. The Red Zone is the perfect place to find a gift for that diehard dog fan in your life. And if you are that diehard dog fan like I know I am, then it's the perfect place to treat yourself. Located on 186 East Clayton Street in the heart of downtown Athens for nearly 20 years, the Red Zone is walking distance from all parts of downtown as well as UGA's North Campus. Check out their website at redzoneathens.com or come by the store and make sure to tell them that you heard about the Red Zone on the Savage Pads podcast. We've got a great show coming up. Stay tuned.
1: Practice every day. Man oh man. Mono in mono. He, he's definitely six
0: hour miles, me and myself, as close as we uh, have right now to rope on. When we scored, I honestly did not know where I was for about five seconds.
2: Early on. You can see with Jake, you know, just like with Fran talking
1: to Maybe one of the most underappreciated
2: quarterbacks in the country. And we got to keep feeding the running back. I don't think we've yet to see the tight ends. I think
1: Georgia does a great job bringing pressure on third down.
2: Turn around two weeks later in the SEC Championship, we look like a completely different team, and we made them look like a completely different team. I mean, it's hard to get emotional thinking about it. And it was my job to kind of get outside the corner. and uh, As soon as I let it go, I knew it was good.
1: From that point on, I kind of gained the trust of Eric Murray
2: is my quarterback. It was just special. I Simmons, He was on side. Everybody respects the specs. That's what every Georgia fan should hinge their hopes on. Alabama and Georgia are the best two teams in the country. I feel like we are the true running back team. youth. I have great
0: confidence that we're going to see the personification of Georgia football. Welcome to the Savage Pads podcast. Multi-time Walter Payton Man of the Year finalist Benjamin Watson is on the line. Benjamin, how are you?
1: I'm good. How you doing, man?
0: I'm doing well. It's been a whirlwind over here, uh, but I know it's been a whirlwind for you as of late. Can you tell our listeners what this past week has looked like for you?
1: Well, uh, this week has been um, a roller coaster. Uh-huh. Uh, try to keep the proper perspective. There are there are worse things that are happening in the world. Yeah. <laughs> but as far as football life goes, um, you know, to to be you know not be activated once I was eligible and then I was released on last Monday, and, uh, you know, that was tough. It was disappointing, sad because, you know, we've moved up here, and we plan on staying here anyway Mm -hmm. just for the year, but, you know, when you have a family and you're dealing with, uh, you know, the kids going to school and, you know, the father, you worry about what they're going to have to deal with or they're going to have to answer any questions, Um, you know, and then just just the – the disappointment that a lot of guys feel myself included when you work really hard and gone through training camp, you've done all those things and then uh, you're not going to be able to play. So sure. it was, it, it was definitely tough. I would say midweek you start to think, all right, well, is this it? And you know, it's going to end at some point and you're, you start to prepare for what's next. Like we all, like we all do. And mm-hmm. and those were the conversations that I was having uh, with myself and my family. And, um, you know that that's what I was looking towards, and then, you know, some injuries happened. They called me back, and I still wasn't sure I wanted to do it after what happened on Monday. <laughs> All right. Uh, but but we had to make sure that we had to make sure the terms were right. The terms were were obviously uh, in my favor as far as whatever they decided to do moving forward. And and I, I still do feel like I'd like to try to finish the year um, if given the opportunity. So sure. We went from from being released to not knowing what's going on to now being active and signing a contract a couple days ago and looking forward to playing on Monday night.
0: Wow, that is a quick turnaround. But we're we're so happy to see you get that opportunity to play for, I mean, the best franchise in the NFL and, and to have the platform that comes with that because you've been recognized for leveraging your resources as a professional football player to educate, empower, and enrich the lives of those in need. Can you tell our audience what drives you to use your resources this way?
1: Uh, I would say the number one thing that drives me is is my faith. Um, Mm -hmm. As as a believer, as a Christian, I I believe that uh, we are to be kind of a conduit of blessings. We are to pass those things on. We are are supposed to be people that um, stand for kindness and for justice and Um, righteousness and for treating people fairly and and trying to resolve the ills of the world as much as we can, Mm whenever it comes to things that are pertinent to the United States, poverty, education, whatever those things may be, Um, racism, we want to be people that step into those difficult issues with the love of Christ. And so, uh, for me, that's, and my wife, you know, because we do these things together, Mm-hmm. Um, that's what we, that's the legacy we want to leave, and, and that's how we want to lead our family. We want our children to, uh, to be people who care about other people, and we feel like as parents, it's our job to instill that in them. And what better way to do that than to demonstrate that to them? Uh, so, so it's, it's truly, um, you know, it's truly something that I would say that I, I saw my parents do, um, I still see them do. And that's something that we decided very early on in our our marriage that that's the legacy we wanted to leave for our children. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And you mentioned before that you and your wife started having conversations regarding what your life's going to look like after football. And that day hasn't come yet. Hopefully it won't for quite some time. But as someone who's demonstrated a giftedness in speaking and a passion for addressing social issues on Fox and CNN, what are your aspirations for your career after football?
1: My aspirations, honestly, I, I don't have I don't have something very, very specific. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know, you know, as as we've been talking about the last several minutes, is that there is some capacity of service that I always want to be involved in. Mm-hmm. And I get great joy out of helping people and serving people and connecting people and fighting uh for the vulnerable and speaking for those who, who may not have a voice. Uh, I, I get great joy out of doing that, and that can manifest itself in different ways. Whether occupationally, um, whether I'm doing something else occupationally, and I'm still doing this on the side. Uh, whether it's something that as simple as as a you know offering a kind of word to somebody in a grocery store. I mean, uh, there are different levels, and they're all important. Uh, but specifically. Um, you know, a few, uh, last year, I thought it was going to be my last year. I was planning on it being my my last year. I was entertaining offers for broadcasting. I, I, I think I can do that, you know, get involved with, with sports broadcasting. I, I have some offers to do that, that sort of thing. So that may be an avenue, but serving people will always be, um, part of what I do because I truly believe that you can leave your greatest mark, um, <clears throat> and you can serve the greatest good by really, uh, touching people's lives.
0: Mm -hmm. And and would you consider serving people in a role as a public servant politically?
1: Uh, Yeah, I I consider it. um, You know, something like that comes with its trappings and its its, its downside, of course. Yes. Uh, You know, I'm I'm not in politics, but I've heard horror stories about it, but I've also (laughs) seen great things about it, too. So I, I really think it has to be the right situation, the right place. Um, the right opportunity, and we will really have to feel God's calling to do so, because mm-hmm. I believe that, you know, service is something that and ministry, you know, those sorts of things are things that God calls you to do, and He opens the right doors for you to do so.
2: Absolutely,
1: so I, I wouldn't rule that out, and it would be, it would be an honor to, you know, serve the community and serve, you know, my, my country collectively um, in, in that capacity. If that's what. If that's the way the, the cookie crumbles, and that's, that's the way the door opens. But <laughs> sure. you know, right now, um, there's, there's, there's a lot of questions. And, I mean, the last week being released, and even uh, earlier, like I said, this year when I felt like I was retired, these are all questions that I was asking myself. These are all avenues that I was exploring. And I know, one thing I do know is that um, when that time comes, I, I'll have that right direction. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's clear that you're a man of God, you're a man of faith, and a man of principle. My last question for you is: How do you feel that your time at the University of Georgia helped to shape you and, and make you into the man that you are now?
1: Yeah, well, well my time at UGA, um, I look about I look back on it with really, really fond memories, mm-hmm. and. I mean, even when we turn the games on, so we'll watch the games. Um, we'll all have on our Georgia stuff. As you know, my wife, Kirsten, went to Georgia. And my son, as far as football goes, he's eight now, but he's all about football. I mean, the guy wears his little towel around the house, like his hand towel. He, he <laughs> wants to throw the football all the time. So we're grooming him into being, you know, a Georgia fan.
0: Good. And Good. We need that. The we game, need another whenever, Benjamin yeah, Watson. The
1: game, of course. Of course. <laughs> yeah, whatever the games come on, I still get goosebumps when the guys run out, when sometimes on TV you can hear the bugle playing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I have such vivid and strong emotional memories about playing between the hedges and about attending school at the University of Georgia. So um, as far as you know, my faith and, and my character being constructed there, I will say that when you leave your house and you go to college, that's really your first time to decide who you're going to be as a man or woman. Mm-hmm. There's nobody there telling you to go to church. There's nobody there making you go to class. There's nobody there that's, that's watching your every move and watching what you watch on television or Netflix or hearing the things you say and telling you don't say that. Um, this is really your opportunity, your first chance to get out of your house and maybe what your parents wanted for you and decide who am I going to be. And that was my experience um, at Georgia and figuring out who I was going to be, what crowd I wanted to be a part of. And there was, you know, times where I was in one crowd and times where I was in another crowd. There were times when I did things and said, you know what, I I know better. I shouldn't have done that. Mm -hmm. And then there were other times where I I stood strong in my beliefs. And so I think that that college for me at Georgia was really a time of um, challenging who I wanted to be, challenging my faith. Fortunately for me, there were organizations like Fellowship of Christian Athletes mm-hmm. on campus where athletes got together and we were able to encourage each other. Uh, we had a chaplain. Um, you know, my wife and I would would, would go to do community service at a local church right off campus, and we attended another church. Um, the guy actually who the pastor there is the one who married us years later. Uh, wow. And so, as far as my faith, I think that you know being there helped me to really. Um, Experienced a lot of different things and 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 ultimately come to the conclusion that you know this is how I want to live my life and I'm not going to do it perfectly, but my goal is to do it humbly and to confess where I mess up, um, and to really understand God's grace. Um, and I and I had a lot of people that were there at the school to encourage me on that path.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, as a fellow alum of the University of Georgia, uh, I can tell you that you've done an admirable job of, of representing the university and. And Thank being you. somewhat of a role model for those of us that um, are, are living our lives and pursuing the same things that you are, so we all appreciate you, and we're all rooting for you with the Patriots. Uh, been told you're you're on a tight schedule over there, so uh, we'll let you go here. But I, again, I really appreciate your time, Benjamin.
1: I appreciate you. Thanks for calling. Anytime I can do anything to help you or the school, let me know.
0: Absolutely. Thanks. All right, Duck.
2: I'll be a doubt till I die. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And now it's time for some Georgia-Kentucky awards with Caleb Gwynn. Caleb, it's great to have you back. So good to be back, man. Let's do it. Let's do it. Well, every week we try to award the Smash Mouth All-Star of the Week to the player who best embodied Kirby Smart's brand of Smash Mouth football. Caleb, who's your Smash Mouth All-Star of the Week from that rainy, ugly Kentucky game?
2: Gosh, there's really really only one guy that comes to mind. It's, it's Swift. I mean, yeah. he's really turned into uh, – well, I guess turned into is not the right word. He's he is uh, rising to the occasion. I guess he, mm-hmm. he's showing what what he's kind of been hyped up to be, um, and and he's you know Heisman caliber running back. And we're starting to see just him deliver on big plays and just be a sound running back mm-hmm. like Georgia usually has. And he's he's yeah he's consistent. So it goes to him.
0: Yeah, and there was just a little something extra that he brought this week as far as not just his play, but off the field. You, sh- you saw some leadership. He looked kind of ticked off about the way Georgia was performing, and he looked like he was saying, hey, give me the ball. Let's do this offensive line. Let's let's go get him. Give me the rock. And he delivered. And I will say it was great to finally see him run on the outside. Uh, that long touchdown run, we were running off tackle finally. And uh, he really excels in that position in those situations, those kinds of plays. And before we get to our defensive award, I want to just talk about this defense. This Georgia defense has quietly been very good under first-year defensive coordinator Dan Lanning. They're currently first in the SEC in opponent yards per game, as well as opponent points per game. They're coming off their second shutout of the year, and frankly, they deserve a better offense than what we've had so far. Now, with that said, Caleb, who stood out to you as the Savage Pads Player of the Week on defense this week?
2: Yeah, the the whole defense as a whole played pretty well for it just being kind of a sloppy, gritty game. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I got to give it to LeCount for getting the recovery. Um, He's been kind of a quiet guy i guess at least in my eyes he hasn't really made the big plays or the you know the loud defensive plays big hits or whatever but he's been that leader back there who's who's made the plays that need to happen um and he's had some hiccups but he really played a solid game today and, and just being that leader leader in the defensive backfield
0: sure yeah we saw him have six tackles this week as well as a fumble recovery and he's not someone i would call a quiet guy as far as his persona because he's He's kind of a loud, outspoken leader, Um, but you're right. He hasn't been the All-American that many expected him to be by this point of his career, and it's because of inconsistency. It feels like there's a time or two every week when he's in the wrong place or he whiffs on a tackle or something like that where it's like if he can just bring consistency to his play as far as playing at his best all the time, He has such a high ceiling. I mean, he has first-round draft pick kind of ceiling, Um, but we haven't seen that from him. So it was very good to see him have a really, really solid day on a day um, for this defense that was quite impressive. Given they they were helped out with the conditions, I do think that that's something that certainly benefits the defense in in that kind of game. Um, But LeCount stepped up, and the defense as a whole has played well. This is an interesting defense to me because – There's so much talent on the field, but it feels like there's not a superstar because statistically there's not one player getting all of the turnovers or getting all of the sacks or all of the tackles. Um, It's a very well-rounded defense that really is strong in, in nearly all aspects. The one perceived weakness, at least, is the defensive line but their job in the 3-4 isn't necessarily to rack up the stats more so than to just clog the middle of the field, which they've done a pretty good job of. They haven't given up um, a rushing touchdown this season. But um, I I want to move into the pick six here for the bye week. So no extra point because Georgia's off, but there's still some good games, and there's still time for Caleb to come back this season on me. I currently have 24 points to Caleb's 22. I got... The extra point once again this last week because I had Georgia winning by one less point than Caleb did, so technically I had a closer score. But first game, number 13, Wisconsin, coming off a loss to Illinois at number three, Ohio State, who has destroyed everyone. Caleb, who you got?
2: Yeah, this will be a really fun one to watch. I think Ohio State is,
0: uh, is the better
2: team. I, w- I do think it'll be a, a tough, gritty game but Ohio State's just better, I think.
0: Yeah, I got Ohio State. I think they're going to the playoff. I think they go undefeated. I think people that hate Justin Fields can get over it because um, he's a great player, and he went to a system that fits really well for him, and he's going to have a lot of success. They're going to continue having success. I think the team as a whole is a legitimate contender this year, and and I say that saying I really think they could beat an Alabama or Clemson or an Oklahoma. Or, um, you know, if Georgia were to make the playoff at Georgia, I think they have that much talent. I don't think they've had to play the competition that some of those other teams will. But there's no denying the fact that they are an absolutely loaded team on both sides of the ball that's playing at a very high level right now. I'm going with Ohio State as well. Next game, this is the one I'm looking forward to here. Uh, Number nine, Auburn at number two, LSU. This is a 330 game in Death Valley. Auburn's coming off a 41-point victory over Arkansas. And LSU is coming off a 23-point victory over Mississippi State. Caleb, who you have in this one?
2: I think LSU is an amazing team. I, re- I mean, Joe Burrow is something else, just how he's kind of turned into you know, a first-round draft pick, it looks like. But I think LSU is better. And I got a feeling you're probably going to do an upset with Auburn, but I'm going to go with LSU.
0: You know, Caleb, it's funny that you say that because I'm not doing an upset with Auburn. I always pick Auburn. I always feel good about Auburn. And by feel good about Auburn, I mean I feel bad about them because I don't like it when they're good. But (laughs) I'm always more scared of them than I should be. This LSU team, and I feel like I'm jinxing them, so gosh, I hope I'm not jinxing them. But this LSU team is for real. I love their offensive approach. Joe Burrows played phenomenally well. They're still LSU on defense. They still have some heavy hitters and, and some good players in the secondary, some great linebackers. LSU right now has a legitimate claim to be the number one team in the country. And to be frank, I think if you judged purely based on this season and what has occurred this season, I think LSU would be number one with Ohio State right there. Um But Bama was preseason ahead of them, and Bama's ahead of them now. And Bama, fortunately for them, will be playing them at home later in the season. But it's hard to pick against LSU at home, especially against a freshman quarterback. I'm going with LSU. I'll also say it. I hate how much I like watching LSU, but their offense, it's so much of what I want Georgia's offense to look like. And I hope we don't have to play them um, because I enjoy watching them play, and it would take that away. But number six, Penn State. At Michigan State, Penn State's coming off a one-touchdown home victory over Michigan. Michigan State's coming off a bye week after a 38-point shutout loss to Wisconsin. I'll go ahead and say it. I'm going with Penn State. I don't think they're that great. I could definitely see them losing a game this season. Um, but I think Michigan State has proved to be nothing near what they were you know, four or five years ago when, when they were really competing for the playoff.
2: Yeah, I got I got Penn State as well. Michigan State, it used to seem they were that team that could kind of upset anybody at any time, but this year I just don't see them being that team. There's no evidence mm-hmm. that they could pull that off, so Penn State.
0: Yeah. Next one we got is Boston College at number four, Clemson. Clemson just beat Louisville by 35, but they have looked vulnerable at times this year. Boston College recently lost to Louisville, But then they bounced back, beat NC State last week. To me, it feels like Boston College could just be that random game that Clemson loses because there's always one and it's always a team that's not very good. But I I just can't pick against Clemson, against a team that inferior, especially when the game's going down in Clemson. I'm going with Clemson. Caleb, what about you? Doug, I feel the same way. I feel like... Boston College could be that team
2: to do it, um, but it's just you just can't pick against Clemson. But mm-hmm. um, I think uh, uh, Clemson's schedule is just so weak that they're just kind of those teams that that just kind of plays down to their competition a little bit. Right. Um, and it could be one of those where Boston College could sneak some funky stuff and and pull out a win. But I'm gonna I'm still gonna pick Clemson.
0: Yeah. Okay. Number eight Notre Dame at number nineteen Michigan. As we all know, Notre Dame's only loss was on the road at Georgia, and they're ranked ahead of Georgia. I just thought I'd mention that. Michigan, I pick against them pretty much every week. Um, you know, Harbaugh has not really gotten the job done this year as he hasn't any other year. So that's, that's kind of where each program stands at the moment. Notre Dame's still thinking playoff. They're thinking they can make it in. Caleb, what do you think about this game?
2: Yeah, I think Notre Dame will win. I don't think they'll get into the playoff, um, but I do think they'll take this one and really put Harbaugh on a hot seat.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm also going to go with Notre Dame. I think for Notre Dame to make the playoff, they need that Georgia loss to be a quality loss. And the problem with that is in order for that Georgia to be such a quality loss, I think Georgia would have to win out. And I think if Georgia wins out, Georgia will definitely make the playoff, which would likely leave Notre Dame out of the playoff unless one of Ohio State, Oklahoma, or Clemson loses a game, which looks unlikely right now, but it's college football and things can change fast toward the end of the season. So I'm saying no for the playoff for Notre Dame. I do think they have a good enough team to beat Michigan, though. Final game, Cal at number 12, Utah. Cal's a team that has shown the ability to upset a team on the road with a win over Washington, unfortunately. Our guy Jacob Eason, who also took a loss this week to Oregon, a uh, tough one. But So Cal, Cal's shown that ability. Number 12, Utah, undefeated. They're thinking playoff. I think a lot would have to happen for them to make it. But if they keep winning, who knows? So Cal at Utah, Cal could be the team to knock them off. Utah could be the underdog team to finally make the playoff. They beat Alabama in the Sugar Bowl at the early stages of uh, Nick Saban's tenure at Alabama. So they've shown in the past that they can compete with the big boys. Caleb, who you got?
2: Um, I like Utah on this one.
0: I, I, I like a good Pac-12 game late at night when all, everything else is
2: done. And, and they've mm-hmm. been a fun team to watch. I think they're pretty legit offense. And uh, yeah, they're a pretty sound football team. So I'm going to give them the win.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna go with Utah as well. I hate to do it because uh my brother's actually a Cal fan now. Did I tell you that? No. So when did he, that happen? He's uh <laughs> he, kind of He's doing online grad school through Cal Berkeley. And so he like it, it oh. hit him the other day. He was like, Wait, I have like another sports team I can pull for now. And he's like, Go Bears, go golden bears. <laughs> um so yes, my brother is now a Virginia fan by undergrad, a Georgia fan by m- me slash our entire childhood, and now a California Golden Bears fan uh, by virtue of online college.
2: Goodness, he's going all the way around the country.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's he's reaching as much of the continental U.S. as he can. So, um, anyway, hate to see his team go down, but I really do think Utah's a legitimate program that uh, honestly could probably – compete with us right now the way we've been playing offensively it'd be interesting to see but hopefully uh if we were to see that matchup it'd be in the playoff because georgia turns things around we will find out here shortly but that's it for part one stay tuned for part two it'll be coming later this week got some great interviews lined up really really excited about georgia florida coming up this is Georgia's shot so stay tuned and go dogs
2: go dogs